as offenses have become more and more quarterback-driven in the last few years, if you can keep your guy healthy, then your chances of winning have gone up tremendously, assuming that you're competent in all the other areas. I think that anytime you can keep a stud quarterback healthy, that just bodes well for your future. On today's episode from our archives, longtime coach both at the high school and small college level, as well as offensive consultant Dan Gonzalez, joined us to discuss taking a holistic approach to protecting the passer. Too often, protection is seen as the responsibility of the offensive line or of the line and the quarterback, but this discussion highlighted that protecting the passer is not only a shared responsibility of all position groups, but is a key focus of the coaching staff as well. Every facet of the offensive plan, from protection principles to route design to formationing, should have the idea of protection as a key consideration. The information boom in the last three years put every great idea in front of us. There are Twitter accounts with thousands and thousands of followers liking and retweeting new ideas. The adaptation of new ideas and concepts as well as the creativity of coaches has skyrocketed. As coaches, we have to consciously fight what UNI offensive coordinator called the YouTube install on this podcast, meaning that you see a great idea and that it was successful and you have the naivety to think we can do this and it gets into your playbook or game plan. The idea may be great and have worked, but that is the surface level of what really goes into coaching football. There's much more we dig into in this conversation in regard to that with the passing game. In addition, defenses now present so many looks that you have to have a system of protection in which the entire offense has to have a strong understanding not only of the routes they run, but the timing and the protection that are tied tightly together. Bringing all of it together and how your players and coaches think about it gives you a better chance for success and for keeping the quarterback, who most offenses are built around, both healthy and performing at a high level. Coach Gonzalez has resources for study on CoachTube that we talk about throughout the conversation, and we will link those in the description. There are so many ideas in this episode that make for great reflection and study before you put your passing game on the field this fall, and we will share our top winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation after the interview, so be sure to stay tuned. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. Welcome to another episode of All In on Offense on the Coach and Coordinator Podcast. And joining me today is a repeat performer, a good friend of the podcast, Dan Gonzalez. Dan, it's great to have you here again. It's always great to be on your show. Thanks so much. Dan, you and I get to talk ball quite a bit, and I like when we get to hit record and be able to share the conversation as well. What we probably haven't seen a, a ton from you, at least 
publicly, you and I have talked protection quite a bit, is protecting the passer and how all that fits together within a system. And it's something that should be integrated in your thought process to how you're going to protect the quarterback and how that works together with what you're trying to do with all your different concepts. And so you've put together on CoachTube two courses, protecting the passer and holistic approach. And that's what we're going to talk about and focus on for the most part here today. But just as a review for our listeners, ACTS, ACTS, talk about the progression system that you set up and how that works within your system. Right. So what you're talking about is an acronym for advantage, concept, third fix, and scramble. And that's the, that's the backbone of our pure progression passing system. So every pattern in our pure progression system has these components, you know, an explosive route that gives us the opportunity to make a big play while in, still in very quick rhythm. And then a concept, which is some kind of two-on-one or some kind of stretch or option route against the defense. And then the third fits, which is a little bit different. You know, most people can get to three people, but because we put two people into one fix in the concept, then we're able to get to a fourth or fifth guy with our third fix. And so we're able to really use most of the field, even in our pure progression system where you know, and you're talking about being under 2.6 seconds, those decisions are made. And then, of course, scramble, meaning, you know, there's no time wasted in the pocket. You're not holding the ball. And so just like the Zampezi system or just like the, the true West Coast offense, you know, the timing is kept with your feet. And so you're not wasting any time while you have the ball in your hand as the quarterback. We also have advantage principles, which basically split the field in half for the quarterback. It's another way of us getting to use all five receivers, but, you know, using different criteria to split the defense. And so sometimes we want to be able to get to a certain route or a certain combination as fast as we possibly can for the quarterback. And, and whether that be a division based on one high, two high, or man or zone, or blitz or regular coverage, or, you know, the drop of the Mike linebacker, we're able to do that and direct that quarterback to be able to get to those spots. So I think that's the main thing is how quickly we can get five receivers involved. And that just keeps you throwing into the thinnest part of the coverage. And because we're able to do that in the rhythm that we are, then obviously the sack numbers go way, way down. Your efficiency numbers go way, way up. And that's part of it, just as you're talking about these two courses that I'm putting out on CoachTube, because protection is really where everything starts. Definitely. And I could say a couple things there. Number one, I really like the third fix. And that was something that when we installed that and the way we were running our passing system, adding that part to it, the third fix, made a huge difference in our quarterbacks being able to have those fourth and fifth options and essentially utilizing the whole field to attack the defense. That's something I think coaches need to look into uh, with what you've done there if they haven't. Then the other thing, I mean, we, and I've, I definitely had some favorites with the advantage principles, but the advantage principles and, and then the way we would utilize those along with some of your navigation tags, 
Now, we didn't necessarily tag things. I know for you, it's something that could be a part of every call, but it was more of the ability to communicate with the quarterback and say during the course of a game, hey, they're running this coverage. Let's start with the advantage over here on the boundary, right? And, you know, I've done an article about that before where we utilized it just within a four verts and, you know, made a main adjustment right towards the end of the game and went ahead under two minutes and with that adjustment got our fastest guy on the field open really shouldn't come open if you're doing the right things but because of the way we utilized you know the navigation tag and the advantage principle together we had the opportunity there for the win so a lot of great tools that you've put together and I think the the best part about your system and we'll get into it later is it's very terminology friendly so what's funny is we had put together our, our first set of concepts really were a lot of four verticals, some spacing, stuff like that, but really based on your first book, which was Concept Passing, and you had 10 in there, and we found a way to fit it together into five, and then we started getting more into your other things. So we didn't, at that time, you had, I believe, come out and had you had recoded, reloaded, where you were utilizing some different terminology, but we were able to stick with what we had put together and fit those tools, those concepts right into it. So I'd say you have a flexible system that might take a little bit of work, but coaches can really learn from what you put together and apply that to whatever their terminology might be. Yeah, I think so. And that's absolutely the truth because it's really about how you teach and how you practice and how you communicate things to the quarterback. And while, you know, obviously I have a preference for, for how I would do things, sometimes, you know, offensive systems are, are really well-established. And if your kids know them all, you, all you have to do is, is throw a few things in there and throw some principles in there that allow for the third fix and things like that to, to happen. And it really makes the whole thing come to life without necessarily wholesale changes. And, you know, you, you talk about the third fix. It doesn't happen often. I, I had a coach ask me, well, how often do you get to this? And really the truth is you don't get to it very often, but when you do, it breaks the back of a defense. It's always becomes a critical play or it turns into a critical point more often than not in the game because you third down and, and you call a pass play and they cover up the first two guys, you know, usually that's it, you know, or the, the first three guys really, as we're talking, the, the advantage and the concepts of your stretch. And usually the defense has done its job and they're getting off the field. When, you know, you hit the third fix after they've already exhausted themselves to the first three guys that you'd probably be looking at, you've made a pretty big play. And, and that's usually what happens when that occurs. I believe, Dan, most of your third fix combinations work this way that the quarterback's going to scan into those yes uh, very often they do and if you wouldn't because we were talking about this the other day on the, on the podcast honestly I can't remember what coach I believe it was while I was in New York with the New York high school coaches we were talking about exactly why a scan read is beneficial to the quarterback especially with really how the eyes work yeah well so there's a lot of reasons the first reason is it's how it's very, very natural. You know, even in the wing tee offense, when I was in high school and you're running the wing tee, you know, bootleg stuff, and, you know, you got a guy in the flat and then you got a tight end dragging behind it, which has, you know, been around football for 100 years. 
and you go from the flat to the drag by the tight end, that is a scan. And you're just moving maybe, but it's the same thing as drive with a shallow cross and an in route coming in behind it. It's the same eye movements. That's one thing. It's very, very natural. The second thing is when you scan into a route, you always see the danger in front of it. So while you might be under duress in the pocket or whatever, you can still see the different colored jerseys. You could see flashes of people out in front and your brain can do amazing things and tell you, yes, it's okay to pull the trigger or no, here's the space around either in front of or behind the defender that's sitting out in front of the route. When you're not scanning, you don't see that danger. And sometimes you see some pretty bonehead looking interceptions, even on TV, even at really high levels of football, you see it because people don't scan into their routes. And so they don't see the interception danger. Let's take it from our talk on passing concepts and and those kind of tools. And let's go into our topic today, which is a holistic approach to protecting the passer. This all really starts with the protection and the design. Talk us through or give us an overview of what you put together in that regard. Yeah, as you said, every passing game begins with protection. And protection has to be, everyone talks about it being a shared responsibility, or at least a lot of people that I know talk about it being a shared responsibility. But very rarely does it come full circle. Every protection group receivers, running backs, tight ends, the quarterback, but also the coaches and the way they design the scheme, the way they design their reads, the way they practice it, the way they script on game night. It really talks about how all these things are done with the idea of keeping the passer clean. And so we're seeing a wonderful age in football in that you're seeing such multiple defensive looks on every down, like every time you turn on the TV, you see something neat and new from the defensive side of the ball. Well, you know, that creates problems for the offense. But the other thing that you're seeing is we're finally getting to put a stop to what I think is the biggest misnomer in football and that some really old, outdated thinking thinks that you can still uh, intimidate a quarterback by hitting him. Well, the rules aren't like that, and offenses are coached too well now. I think back to the last playoff game that uh, maybe the second round of the NFL playoffs and, and uh, the Green Bay Packers were down and, and, you know, there were two third down conversions in that game. I believe it was against the Seahawks where there was third and eights. And what do they do? They decide to man up and, and blitz Aaron Rodgers. They're basically making the guy get rid of the ball and saying, hey, we're going to dare this guy to make the great throw. And, of course, he's one of like the greatest throwers ever, right? And he creased them both times. And it's just that kind of thinking It just shows you how far along offensive football has come. Of course, Rodgers creases them, and then they go on to win the game on those two key third downs late in the game. And it, it just reminds you of how important protection is, number one. But number two is, is if you're sound, that you can overcome all these exotic blitzes that really get people free because there are so many parts to protecting the passer. The rhythm with which you get rid of it, the ability to release and identify, so many things go into it, including how you practice and how you game plan. And so 
all those things brought together the idea for these two courses because people usually talk about protection schemes and then stop there. And really, that's just the very, very beginning of the thought process for me. Yeah, Dan. So if you could illustrate that for us and talk us through an example here, essentially tying those things together, like you mentioned. Okay, sure. Yeah. So everyone talks about protection schemes. So say you're a half slide team and yeah, you're a half slide team, but you're also a big on big team because on the front side of that half slide protection, you got what? You got guys that are in man protection. And anytime you're a half slide team and people line up in bear, you're what? You're, you're going to go big on big, right? So regardless, you have to have techniques and you have to have teaching and thinking that approximates all these things. The second part of that is, is that when you're just talking about protection schemes and, and so you say, say you got six protectors, you want to make sure that the defense has to bring seven guys in order for you to be hot. And I, I remember having, you know, early in my coaching career, luckily I, I learned from some really good guys, but I remember having just the biggest arguments with line coaches that thought I was just a young punk, which probably I was, but the thing is, you don't make them outnumber the protection and you try to throw hot, then really you're asking for trouble because the defense would then have a guy to cover your person and then a guy to intercept the ball or knock him out on the other end of it. So you got to really make sure that your schemes, however you assign people, take care of and sort to the most dangerous people, and then they make you blitz more than the protection allows so that you can throw hot. And then, of course, there, then there's a cavity in the defense. There, there has to be something showing or tipping that off. Along with that part of it, even when you boil down to the one-on-one matchups, is, is the typical time that it takes for a pass rusher to get to the quarterback. And, and we're seeing, man, the playoffs and the postseason were great because you saw some tremendous pass rushes out. And the thing about that is you can look at it and you could say, okay, these guys can get to the passer this many times. How can you game plan to where when you really, really need to convert a a certain down and distance that you have worn out that pass rush? So, again, that's where how you script a game, how you control the pass rush with the tempo of your play calls, the formation for example, so I talk about formationing and what different personnel groupings will do to a given defense, say the three down multiple defense that everyone seems to be playing now. There are ways that you can get people to have to honor gaps, and then you're back to some pretty normal stuff when you get down to it and you can attack still with your best players because of things that the defense must do. I, I talk about how we design things so that the reads go faster for the quarterback. And even when conventional thinking would tell you that this pass pattern would take too long for the quarterback to hold the ball and he'd get sacked or get hit or whatever, we talk about how we design the read so that he sees the fastest thing. And then I'll back it up with video and show how we're getting the ball out and how we can attack down the field in certain down and distances that, that might not even be thought of as quick passing, but yet we're still able to get 
things at the 16 to 18 yard level so that third downs aren't quite so unmakeable because you can get to those distances with your receivers and not really make your quarterback hold the ball for an extended period of time. That goes into how you design the read, how you unmask the defense for the quarterback, and, and a lot of things. So there, there's, there's quite a bit that goes into it, how we design practice, how we design blitz pickup, and even how we script certain situations and break down certain tendencies in the defense. So it really is just like the, the title suggests, you know, taking a holistic approach to protecting the past. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www dot team mofo.com slash demo and mention coach and coordinator podcast or use the coupon code cc10 to receive 10 percent off your first year so dan i want to back up a little bit and talk about that idea of making sure that if you're throwing hot that they're bringing more than you can handle and it certainly has become popular. You see a lot of the six down or the double mug, you know, all kinds of different ways that people are simulating blitzes and, and making you think that maybe you're getting an overload to this side. Maybe you're getting more than you can handle. And then somebody's dropping out underneath. And if you throw hot, you can run into some problems there. You might get it taken away at the worst. And in a lot of cases, you know, there's there's somebody right there to make that tackle and limit the pass play because you're throwing something that you didn't necessarily need to do. So with that in mind, how does this approach account for those kinds of things? Simulated pressures are great, and they're very effective when what I found to be is when people are just in static sets, number one. And number two is when they are in predictable tempos and down and distance type situations. We live in the Twitterverse, right? Where everything's on Twitter and, and you see like a great blitz and all that kind of stuff. And, and then, you know, they completely destroy the offense. And then 
you go back and look at that game and the team gave up 47 points, right? And, you know, gave up 600 yards. I think that the thing is you, you take these things with a grain of salt, but I think that you also always have to look at what can your people do. And the wonderful thing about high school football is that while not everyone has like division one athletes everywhere, a lot of people can play tweener type people. So you might not have Rob Gronkowski because nobody does, but you might have a guy who could be an H back type guy who could flex out and can catch a ball and is reasonably coordinated. And cause I see him all the time. I see guys like this all the time that have some length. They might not be 220, but then again, they're not weak. And there's these kind of tweener guys that if you attach them in a wing T offense, the wing backer is a tight end, they'd be fine. But because they're athletic and can catch passes, and you could really stress a defense because then they got to decide if I put two of those guys together, do they, is it a tight end wing? Or better yet, if I took my normal double slots, everybody's two by two, and you constricted the splits on those guys, and they're all three feet from the tackle, you've got a tight slot with a guy that's a tight end body next to them. Do they treat them? Do they have to account for all those gaps? And what stressors does that create in the structure of the defense? If you're able to do those kinds of things on different down and distances with the same people, and that's why having a system that's learnable is, is so important because being able to move people, being able to give people assignments that they don't really have to think about because that's what you practice every day, these are really, really critical things. But we do talk about how you would get into different down and distance scenarios and combat that. And you know what? Sometimes the answer is is protecting with seven. Sometimes it's not. Homer Smith, 40 years ago, wrote about the importance of delays as well as screens in protecting the passer, the old tight end or running back delay, tailback delays. And at my second job ever, worked with Bob Shipley, who is now at the University of Texas as an off-the-field assistant, he had a whole series of delays, like with running backs, with receivers, with tight ends, and that's something that always stuck with me because, you know, one of the things about it is the defense can no longer blitz a guy and then blitz the guy covering your protector. Talk about different ways how if you get a team that, that is key blitzing or green dogging or whatever you guys call it, the part of the delay in the normal set of the offense is invaluable. And there's some clips in there also of how you get a team to bring a guy, then supposedly your back has to pick him up, and the guy that's covering your back can now free to blitz. And there's some video of teams getting caught in that kind of situation. And it's pretty impressive when it happens. So having a full arsenal is obviously something that I would always pick because of these things and you know we don't just lock ourselves into one man you know me well enough I, I don't lock myself into just one answer for him so we covered a few of them I love the delay as something that you could build in and it, it's something man I want to say I started using those and learned them uh, when I was an assistant at Amherst Steel I, I went back and uh, became the head coach there but our coach, head coach at the time, Jeff Risen, loved this little tight end delay. 
and it kind of was built off of like a shallow crosser and you know you get the slot coming across the one way getting underneath those linebackers getting them to to drop or, or even chase out of there and that tight end would just wait enough in, and it literally was like a, a four-yard pass but he had all kinds of, of run after catch and it was something I mean this was definitely the year of the mesh and the shallow crosser I mean everybody put that into uh, their playbook this year but we started seeing those as we were watching and we did a, a basically a trends podcast throughout the season with uh, Charlie Coiner from First Down Playbook and you know the delay seemed to be making a resurgence in in offense running back delays and and tight end delays the other thing added to that was the nudge protection or that chip you're going to basically get a piece of that defensive end that stud rusher before you get into your route. And I can remember you might've even talked to me a little bit game planning that particular year that we used it against. We were playing Mount Union. They had a dude that we just could not handle snap after snap one-on-one with our guy that we had to give him some kind of help. And that ended up, you know, the delays and the chip or the nudge ended up being something that helped us quite a bit in that game. Well, you know, these are, these are parts of things that are also in the course there's a lot to it and but yeah there's a there's a section on protection adjustments so you know the different alert calls how we assign shippers is another thing that that we have in there because if you just watch the teams that are always good on offense they have a way to slow down pass rushers they have a way to as often as they get the matchups it's about how they slow down people from getting just you know four guys flying up in the quarterback's face and it's all built upon each other yeah I'd be interested to hear Dan because I love how you use terminology so I really like that idea of how you assign the chipper I know in our particular use of it it was put into the game plan for one particular guy so I had not necessarily systematized the terminology so how have you done that there's a couple different ways first off you know, all our protections are, are colors, and maroon and metal are reserved for max protections, which means that we're going to, any attached person is going to chip on his way out, and whether that's tight ends and H-backs or just backs uh, involved, they, they, have assigned, they have assigned people that they will chip if, if their blitz pickup person doesn't come. And so we, we're not just going to sit there right by, next to the quarterback. You know, we're going to go attack somebody and, and make our presence felt. But one of the things I got exposed to, especially in my dealings with the run and shoot, was, you know, run and shoot folks actually had protections where on the back side, I think we called them 700s way back then, on the back side of it, one of the backside slots was a chipper. So it, it, it gets your mind thinking, you know, okay. So if people can ask the receivers to deliver a body shot on a guy, which, you know, they're not asking them to block one-on-one, so I'm good with that. But so could a tight end, so could a big slot receiver, and so could a running back. We can assign different ways. I mean, and, and if you think about it, those principles are taught in a lot of offenses. Forever and ever and ever, we talked about the wing tee bootleg the one back naked or the, the naked back to the tight end where the tight end slams the end and comes out is a classic example. So we have different terms like slam as a term that you could tag a guy to basically slam the end and he's an outlet in the flat. 
and you can attach that to anything. It doesn't have to be a naked. It doesn't have to be a movement pass. It could be a drop back pass and a guy is tagged to slam the end. You could also, we have a term called chop, which is a chip stop, right? So you're going to check your protection typically, then you're going to chip and then you're going to run. You know, that's when you are really extra guy in the pass pattern. So we'll divide the pass speed fence accordingly, but you're the last guy in the progression. You're the third fix guy or, you know, the last third fix guy, because usually you got two in the third fix. But anyway, we have different ways of signing those things. And they've been in the system for a few years. People who have been clients for a couple of years can remember seeing terms like slam and chop assigned to people in our passing game. As we've talked about a few of these tools, I think we could start to bring this together. Because again, you said at the beginning, this is everybody's responsibility. This is a holistic approach. So we have those tools, certainly. But when we think of, number one, the calibration of the passing game, the timing that it's going to come out in 2.6 or less, and that the feet are the clock, the rhythm for the route. They're going to move the quarterback through the progression, throwing you know from as soon as 1.8 all the way up to 2.6 and progressing at about a, a point four per per shuffle step or hit step so we have that kind of timing which is very important to not getting sacked is is be able to get it out in 2.6 now you think about then you know utilizing in some cases these tools so now that tight end or that wing is slamming down and giving pressure on that defensive end who without that, might just be running upfield as hard as he can, as fast as he can, and because he's a dude, giving you some problems, but now just delaying him, let's say, a a point four or a point six because he's got to engage for a second, has done its job, and now so he, he gets canceled. And then, you know, you talked about the formationing, that you can utilize these different formations and put stressors on it. And lastly, you know, you mentioned the the progression, right? So that if you are using that chipper, he's part of the third fix. And so now it all starts to, to, to fit together. And I know that you probably, some of this, yeah, it's not working great for, for audio here. But I guess what I'm trying to say is all of this then does come together as a whole. Absolutely. And also in terms of how you protect the passer uh, how you script, for example, talk about how we script like mini series or attack points. And I can tell you that as a throwing game guy, I am always focusing on slowing down the pass rush. And so whether that's examining your substitution patterns, and typically I know how often you substitute your pass rushers. And if I feel like your guys are fresh, then there has to be a a scripted set of plays where you can throw the ball in quick rhythm and get completions, but not let yourself get into that big negative. I learned from a couple of guys that are very influential to me that some of the situations they were in with schools they were at, they would not take a deep shot on first down of a new series. They were going to wait till they were five or six plays into a series going up-tempo, and then they take their shot. Those kinds of things, no one in the stands would ever know it, right? Obviously, the defenses didn't know it either. 
but the other part of it is sometimes you're going normal tempo and people start getting tired and they get near their expected time to come out and they start trying to tap out. Well, that's when you need to go up tempo. So that's when you really need to go fast. And it's not just about going fast all the time because then you're predictable. It's not about being in the same formation all the time, like you say. And so there's different ways. And, and these are all things that I talk about in the course, the different things that we look at. And there's no necessarily set formula to it because every team has its individual nuances and matchups that you can take advantage of. But these are just ideas that I think if you think holistically where the number one thing is, as offenses have become more and more quarterback driven in the last few years, if you can keep your guy healthy, then your chances of winning have gone up tremendously, assuming that you're competent in all the other areas. I think that anytime you can keep a stud quarterback healthy, that just bodes well for your future. Dan, I wanted to touch on a couple other things you mentioned here, game planning and, and practice. And I want to say, uh, I was talking to, I believe, I think it was Grant Caserta on our deep dive on defense. And we were talking about, in this case, the offense not being able to get tendencies on who you're bringing. And, you know, I know in just this past season and working with a local high school team, you know, there would be games. And really this, uh, you know, thinking back to college, we'd even had this hold up then, was there'd be games where, you know, somebody might be, this especially happened in 3-4 defenses, being there 3-4, and we knew, like, one particular linebacker never came, right? He was never in the pressure. He was, you know, going to be a run stopper. Uh, he was going to drop to that middle hook or that middle hole. And then, you know, for us, it was, okay, we're not, we're going to treat you like you're invisible. We're not even going to put you in our sort. And... That tendency alone, trying to find those kinds of things, is very helpful in, in protecting the passer because you don't force yourself into a situation where you have a guy standing there blocking air and then you're back to that situation we said before, you're throwing hot and you don't have to. You know, that's exactly right. There's, there's always little keys like that, especially as much as people are three down now or as much as people are in – you know, what I still refer to as a 50 defense, right? I mean, there are some guys who are listed as outside linebackers that are, you know are pass rushers. You know Vaughn Miller is going to rush the passer. And if they drop him in coverage, then that's a mistake, right? Because that, that's fine. You know, let him drop in the coverage. That would be probably the best thing the offense could hope for. So just like you're talking about, there, there are tendencies because it's what makes people successful. And for people to break tendencies just to break them isn't necessarily the smartest thing. And what you were talking about, how we can get people in the formations. And I was talking recently to a Division One offense coordinator, and, and we were talking about, you know, we were going through the formations that he was using, for example, how he game planned. And, and I, one of his real big run-heavy formations for a nationally televised game was 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 a really good formation, really good setup, and how it was planned. Then I was asking about, okay, what are you throwing off of this? And it was a couple of nakeds and some quick game stuff. And I was like, well, okay, if you if you throw the ball and you complete a ball for five yards because you threw spacing or stick or you know fill in the blind quick game, then what have you really done? Is the defense really going to get out of it? Now, if you crease them for eighteen and twenty yards every time you do it, 
then you will make them change. Then you will put them on the defensive because you're getting certain reactions, right? Certain formations will leave the defense to know that it's vulnerable in certain spots. And so therefore, what do people like to do to protect themselves? They like to play zone. When you play zone, then, then you get all the stuff back. Like in our passing game, the seam read, like we've always talked for years and years and years about is the backbone of, of my passing game. You get all that stuff back that maybe you lose when you're in four wides and people can just play quarters all the time. So being able to make people move and get into more conventional, they got to rotate, they got to spin their coverage somehow and get a guy down to support and be accountable to a gap. And then they got to play zone because now certain guys are having to cover in spots where, you know, they're not really used to covering. Well, then, then you get back all the basic stuff that you've been practicing and you've built your passing games around. So I'm always big on finding those kinds of things as well. And, and like, like I said, I can hold the ball for 2.2 seconds and throw a completion 18 yards down the field. That's going to hurt a lot more than a, than a quick game stop route to a guy who's standing still. So I usually opt for those kinds of things. Now, on the flip side of that, and I guess the question I have, have, have you seen – because I could think to some, I can't think of what games they were this year, but particular games. But have you seen situations where the formation starts to put you at a disadvantage, especially in regards to protecting the passer? Yeah, I do. Certain times where, for example, people will stay in four wives when all they have is long bodies that can catch fades. You saw this to an extent with Clemson playing in the playoffs. They lost Renfro who was their separation guy, their route running guy who could separate laterally very, very quickly. That kind of stuff's invaluable to a quarterback. When you're left with having to make perfect throws up the field all the time on 50-50 type balls, there's times for that, but if you're locked into that's all you can do now, you don't have the option route runner, you don't have guys who can get in and out of breaks quickly and horizontally, then sometimes it might be better off to not be in four wides or at least not static four wides, right? You, you, you'll want to stack people. You want to get in some 11 personnel, still have three wides, still have the flexibility to, to chip people with a tight end or hopefully split that guy out on the backside if they're trying to match up with you. But, yeah, you definitely see that because it's important to see not only where people have – like really, really elevated their level of play like LSU did in the college football season, but where people who are typically really, really good see where they struggle and examine why they struggle. Sometimes it's those types of things. So then the other part I wanted to touch on here before we wrap up was kind of the practice side of things, especially in terms of how you're going to do blitz pickup and practice and to get good at this, you're going to have to throw some things at your guys, maybe even at times some things they might not see so that they understand how the rules hold up and they can adjust over the course of the game. So what's the approach in practice for blitz pickup? Well, the approach is that you are from day one always identifying your responsibilities. I know that Greg Davis taught me years and years ago that, like, we, for example, always identify our blitz pickup as the first blitzer inside out. We don't say linebacker. We don't say DB or safety. We say blitzer because 
the way the rules are tested on day one, if the defense brings a free safety blitz, it better be picked up. And so that's a part of just how we label things. That's a part of how we practice it by blitzing ourselves very, very early on in walkthroughs and things like that. But you're always in that sort of demeanor where you are excited by pressure. You're excited at the opportunity of the defense taking one of their potential tacklers out of their defensive backfield and bringing them after you, knowing that you're prepared to get the ball off before he gets to you. And then there's a lot more space and the potential for big plays. But being able to put together a good blitz pickup, you know, I'll even talk about how ours is designed to be able to get as many reps as possible because you do want to blitz yourself and give yourself a lot of looks. So the tempo of how fast you get your blitz pickup is important as well. There's a part of it where I bring you through and, and, and show you how we how we diagram and design our blitz pickup so that it's done quickly and yet you can give a variety of looks and test yourself really. You know, even in our install, when you're talking about spring install, it's that all the protections going against bear are on there and all the protections against certain blitz is emphasized and certain situations is emphasized in your teaching. It's just like, it's just as important as how the run and shoot guys talk about running slide versus cover two, then cover three. And these things in your protection are planned out and made a focal point because they're just that important. So Dan, in, in a typical practice, let's say we are in season, how much time do you typically like to devote or have your clients devote to the blitz pickup? You want to do the blitz pickup part of it. However you get to it, you want to get double the reps of what you expect in a game. So if you're going to throw the ball 40 times and, and you're, you're expecting that, hey, they're a 25% blitz team, then you do want to make sure that you blitz yourself at least half the time in a practice. And so there's different ways to cover that in a given week. There's blitz periods. There's also team periods where you're going to say everything in this situation, we are going to blitz. There's different ways to get to that. I think the total number is really what's important as far as your team being alert to, hey, they are an every other down blitz team in their tendencies. And and so they're aware of it and they get all the looks that you can see. I don't typically put it to to minutes. We talk about reps and the number of reps we would typically double in blitz. So Dan, to wrap up, you've kind of come full circle and in the way you code things. And, you know, you spent, I think, a couple volumes of your books talking about just the coding and how it's important and how it's about the player. So you now have within your system, basically two versions that you could be more of a number-based team, and you could be also a terminology-based team. I guess, you know, just give us a quick overview and walk us through where you're at right now as far as the structure of terminology. Yeah, so that was something for a long, long time, right, is that, hey, it's a great system. It's really easy to teach, but the play calls are way too long. So I was talking to a good friend of mine probably almost a year ago now, Will Hall, he just t- took the job at Tulane, and we were talking about verbiage, and they get a lot of stuff taught, too. And, and of course, 
He's been at places where they've been very successful offensively, real high-tempo teams, medium-tempo teams, multiple-tempo teams. And so we just talked about the constraints involved in that. And what I really had to do was take everything that I currently did and find a way to recode it uh, to where I can get to where no signaler gets more than three seconds. And we were able to accomplish that and still have all the same information. And that, you know, that was the key for us, the, the same information. So the reading part of it, being able to dictate that. But it took eight months of basically pulling apart the English language and putting it back together again. So we're able to do that. So, for example, having a pattern that is, we could have two ways to read a pattern, the same exact pattern. We could read it differently by, by giving a different word, you know, telling them, hey, run this pattern, but we're reading it differently. So I know I gave you a couple of examples of it uh, earlier today. It involves how we group these routes or, or route combinations to, to be either based in the advantage, what, what advantage package it is, or the advantage principle read that we talk about. So whether something is a backside read or part of an advantage principle, part of the RAM read categories, for example. I'll give a, a good example of that here, where before you, you would call it right green 467X8B19er alert exhale. You're able to accomplish that now in right green fish Spock. And it's the exact same thing, both the same play. Right, right. And so what the Spock will tell you, Spock uh, on the backside, it's basically a double snag combination to trips. And then single receiver has either a glance post versus a soft corner that we're going to throw versus single high or a burst corner versus press, right? And so, for example, breaking that down, on the front side, fish stands for flag inside of a hook and a shake route. So the number three guy to the trips has a flag route. Number one guy has a hook, which is like a spot route, and then a shake route, which is a crosser by the number two guy. On the backside, you have spot, which is a single high read. That's what the S tells them. And then it's either a post or a corner. So all that information is given. The advantage principle there that's overriding everything is is that it is a single high division. So one high he's throwing the single receiver side. Every uh, you know two high he's he's going to the three receiver side. And of course, uh, we blended the running backs rules into the protection call. He's got a free release and he's you know he's shooting the arrow on the strong side. So you get a four man release on that. What I love about your system, Dan, is really, if you approach it as, I want to understand how to better teach my players, that you start to see, you know, without saying, oh, I'm going to adopt all this terminology because it works, you see a process. And that's what I've always liked about your stuff. Like I said, I never, I've adopted some of your terminology. Other parts were already in existence. It didn't make sense to change. But we did really examine how we taught things, we became concept-based in our teaching, and it made a big difference for us. So I highly recommend Dan's stuff for that purpose, but really interested to see your holistic approach to protecting the passer, as well as what you're doing with coding reads and, and using terminology to create structures that are easily learnable 
and very adjustable for both the player and the coach. Yes, absolutely. I'm excited about it. The protection courses should be out any day now. And the the other two that I'm going to release, they're going to be based on the passing game and they're going to feature this new terminology. Going to feature parts of it, not the whole thing, but parts of it. They, they should be available in the next few weeks, probably towards the end of the month. And so check out our show notes. We'll put a link in there to dance courses. And we do plan on uh, having some articles that illustrate just some of the teaching here. I think there's some outstanding ideas. So Dan, as always, uh, I appreciate you coming on in. And before we go, if you would give your Twitter handle so coaches could connect with you. Sure. My Twitter handle is at Dan underscore Gonzalez 16. Dan, I always love talking ball with you. I liked being able to hit the record button this time and share that. So as always, you're welcome anytime. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And you got just a wonderful following. You do so much for coaches. And I get pulled aside and asked by coaches anytime I'm traveling, you know, they, they talk about your podcast. They really do. And, and I'm just, I'm just grateful that you keep having me on. Well, you know, I can't do it without great guests, Dan, and, and you're a great guest for us. So as always, Dan, appreciate it. And we'll talk again soon. Thanks so much. Here are our winning edge takeaways and ideas for implementation. One, ask yourself this question as a starting point. Do all of my players and coaches understand how our protection works and their role in it? For the most of us, for most of us, we'll find there is some work to do to getting everyone on the same page. It starts then with finding the gaps and filling them with a plan to teach all of our players and coaches their role in protecting the passer as well as how that will be accomplished in practice and carried over to game day. Two, practice reps are the overriding factor for how much you can carry into a game, including protection. In preparing for pressure, Coach Gonzalez uses the formula of two times the amount that will be seen on game day. He makes sure that they get double the reps and they design periods to accomplish this. On our enhanced show notes on coachingcoordinator.com, I will put video of us utilizing Go Army Ed to get our offensive line and running backs extra protection reps. We would get up to 65 reps in a 15-minute period. As I look at this tool now, I would also utilize this for walkthroughs with the quarterback, tight ends, and receivers. The looks given can allow you to develop the knowledge of what receivers should understand about how to run their routes and most likely who will be getting the ball. Three, research and install tools for protection help. At the Cool Clinic last year, John Gruden spoke about what I looked for in hiring an offensive line coach. He said the one thing he would want to know was the coach's system for help in protection. Whether that is using chip and delays, there are plenty of ideas that have any position, receivers, backs, and tight ends help in protection before getting into their route. Four, study and have a plan for how you might exploit substitution patterns with your play call and tempo. Coach Gonzalez brought up a discussion with an FBS coordinator where the idea was knowing when rushers are fresh or when they will try to get fresh defensive linemen in the game and calling passes and using tempo accordingly. This might not apply to some teams or levels, but for sure bigger high schools and small college level and higher, this applies. This information and a plan for it can definitely create an advantage on game day. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com for enhanced show notes with links to related episodes, resources like Coach Gonzalez's courses on CoachTube, which I highly recommend, 
In addition, we have articles with our winning edge takeaways detailed in text. Also sign up for our free weekly tip sheet, which highlights the best ideas from the previous week, trending episodes, and featured resources. Follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.